Hey, my name is Parker Manuel, pastor of Pinewood Church in Boulder, Colorado, where our mission is to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. Hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hey, Pinewood, what's up? Hey, good to be here. What an honor and how humbled I am to be here and to share the Word of God with you. And uh, it's just, it's so cool to see what God's doing in the city of of, uh, Boulder and what God's doing through Pinewood and how you guys are loving Boulder and serving Boulder and discipling and caring for one another. I know today I'm I'm here and... uh, Excited to be here because we get to jump into the scriptures because one of my favorite books, and I love the topic, and I love the series that you're in called Heaven's Agenda. I love that title, and I love the book of Philippians. So if you have a copy of God's Word, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 through 26 is the the parameters by which we're going to be looking at. Uh, today and everything, but I, I think it's really, really important for us to understand that this book is about a lot of things, but one of the big things tonight or today that we're looking at is what is life all about? What is life to you? What's up with your life? And those are a couple of really big questions, but the book of Philippians is going to go ahead and address what those questions are, are all about. Because what's up with your life? What is the reason for living? What is life all about? What is living? Maybe you're feeling a lot like uh, a lot of people are these days, that living is just taking the life out of you. And when living takes the life out of you, you really try to go ahead and pursue other ways to go ahead and find relief. Man, the world we've lived in the last four to six months, I don't know about you, but I wanna go back and do a restart. It was, a, it was a leap year, and I want to leap over this year and get to next year. I really do. Because in a sense, either I want to go back and kind of reset the button, or I want to jump forward and get to a whole new year of 2021. And all of us right now, it kind of, it kind of reminds me of the story of the, of the ants on the golf course. I don't know about you, but I, I've got some clubs and there was this, this colony of ants that was hanging out in the sand trap. And this guy put his golf ball in one of the hazards. You know, in golf, there's two hazards. You either put the ball in the sand or you put the ball in the water. And the rule of thumb is this. I was coached in this, so I'm, I'm not that bright. But he said, the coach always said, Dave, it's easier to hit out of sand than it is water. And so this guy one day, he hit his golf ball and plopped it right in the sand trap. And there's this colony of ants. And they scattered. The guy jumped into the sand trap. He took back his club. He went ahead and he swung. And man, sand flew everywhere, all over the place. But the ball was still there. So he, he stepped back, readdressed the ball, and he went ahead again. This, the ants, you know, like ants, when you step on them, they just scatter everywhere. And these ants were scattering. And he took that club again and addressed the ball and he swung and man, sand flew all over the course, on the grass, every place else. And these ants just scattered, but the ball was still there. And these three ants that were left looked at each other and said, dude, what are we gonna do? And the one guy said, I don't know about you guys, but I'm gonna jump on the ball. 
I'm gonna jump on the ball because that's the safest place to be. Because this guy can't hit the ball. That's what life is for a lot of people right now. Sand is flying, the world is in chaos, and people are thinking about their life, and life is just taking everything out of them. And maybe that's what the way you are today, whether you're here in Boulder, in Colorado, or wherever you are in this globe. But seriously, I just wanna ask you, I just wanna ask you personally right now, what is life to you? What is living? The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, he talks about that in these, these magical verses here in Philippians chapter one and verse 20. I wanna read them with you. I'm gonna be reading out of the New Living Translation. Paul says, writing to this church at Philippi, the believers there, he said, for I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I've been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it's better that I continue to live knowing this, that I'm convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will even more reason take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Would you pause for a moment and pray? Father in heaven, we ask in Jesus' name for your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide we ask now that you would open your word to us and say something to us that we can't say to ourselves through your Holy Spirit. For this we ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You know, our secular culture says the meaning of life is happiness. Happiness. If that's what the meaning of life is, then when we suffer, it destroys your, your meaning and your purpose in life, Tim Keller said. All the big thinkers, the atheists, agnostic, secularist, humanist, have written about the, about the reason for our, our evidence and the measure of life for centuries. But today, let me ask you, what is your life? You get to be the philosopher. You get to be the one. How would you define your life today? Because God exists and we know him and we can know him. And because we can and do know him, we have hope that this life that we know is not the end. The best is yet to come. I hope you believe that, that the best is yet to come. I hope your life is better than those ants in the trap. I hope your life is better than what's happening right now in the moment of anguish or pain or suffering or disappointment, whatever you're feeling right now in your life, wherever you are, in a bad relationship and no relationship, with a good job or no job, you understand what life is all about today. And it's healthy to stop and to ask ourselves from time to time, what is life? What is the purpose and meaning in life? 
And the Apostle Paul here in these verses that we, that we just shared a minute ago speak to us about what truly is important in life, and that is to magnify and honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It is our call, you and I today need to realize God calls us to a higher calling. God calls us to a different level, a higher elevation to live life. We might fall into valleys, we might go through tribulations, we might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but our God is our shepherd and he wants to take us to new heights and he's raised us up and he has a higher calling for us in our life each one of us, wherever we are today. This higher calling is reflected right here in this magnificent book of Philippians. And that's why this is about heaven's agenda, not my agenda, not your agenda, not the world's agenda, not the political agenda, not your business agenda, not family agenda, not somebody in relationship, but this is Heaven's agenda for our life is that our lives would be lived with purpose and meaning in life that is set on honoring God and magnifying Him through our lives. For that is why Christ has come. And Paul right here goes ahead and shares with us three ways that your life and my life should be used to magnify Christ and to live for the glory of God. There are three things here. Let me just give you them real quickly, then we'll come back to them. But they're found in these verses here. Number one, if we're gonna live for the glory of God and to magnify his name, we're gonna, we're gonna be like Paul and we're gonna have a longing for Christ. Number two, we're gonna go ahead and want a desire to live for Christ. And number three, we're gonna go ahead and wanna be laboring with Christ. And when we do those things, where our lives are gonna be captured by him and we're gonna be called to a higher calling than the life in existence that we have. The first thing I, we see right here is Paul is saying that one way that I honor and magnify Christ is through long, longing for Christ. Longing for Christ. In verse 23, Paul says here, he said in these verses here, we, we right here, he said, I don't know, I am torn between two desires. I'd long to go and be with Christ. He says, I long to go. I want you to know here, Paul is 30 years as a follower of Jesus Christ. He is currently, as we know, from what Parker has shared with us, if you've been part of the series, is Paul is in prison. He's been captured for the sake of the gospel. He's almost been quarantined. And he is quarantined, maybe not three to four months like we have, but Paul has been quarantined for a good long while wondering where his fate is going to rest with the Roman soldiers. And Paul, in the midst of all this, he is longing for Christ. He is longing to be with Christ. I don't know about you, but in these days, I have longed for a lot of things. I've longed to go to my favorite restaurant and hang out with my favorite friends. I, I, I've been longing to get back to the way things used to be or, trying to, or try to go to a ball game or, or go to the store and not wear a mask. Wouldn't that be great? I've longed for that. I've longed to be set free from my house. I've longed for a lot of those things. I don't know what you're longing for right now. 
Maybe you've, you've been furloughed. Maybe you've lost your job or something like that. You have, you have lost something and you're wanting to achieve it again and receive it. But for Paul here, what he tells us is, as a result of his life and what Christ has done for him and setting him free, Christ has become everything to him. As you remember, Paul was going on a journey of life and he was changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was known as Saul, but he met the resurrected Christ on a road one day and radically was changed. His direction in life was changed. His purpose was changed. The impact of his life was completely altered. And God said, I have a plan for your life. And this encounter was so real that it altered his career. It altered his worldview. Just look at Philippians chapter three. It, it, it changed the way that he lived his life and what he valued in life. And Paul has been a follower of Christ now for 30 years. And yet Paul here, being the veteran follower of Christ, still has this great sense of not longing to be delivered from prison, not longing to be just with the believers that are at Philippi, not longing to be out and preaching the gospel like he was before. Paul longs for Christ and Christ alone, being under house arrest. So let me ask you, what is your life all about? What are you longing for right now? Where are you, where are you placing your desires right now? Paul was, was longing for the resurrected Christ. If you look over in chapter three and verse 10, Paul says, as a veteran, he says, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, after all the experiences and all the encounters that he has, he still has this deep desire to wanna to know more of Christ and he longs for Christ. He longs for him in, a, in, a, in a, an incredible way. Longing for someone, uh, in my mind, is you know that, I don't know about you what you've longed for in terms of what you've walked longed for through life, but it, it kind of reminds me maybe of swimming. I don't know about you, but when I've gone swimming a few times and I've jumped in a pool or I've been in the ocean or I've been in a lake that's deep and I'm searching for something, I have to go down deep. One of my kids several years ago lost a pretty precious item, a ring that my daughter had been given and I jumped in the water and I went down and it was like 10, 15, 20, 25 feet down. I don't remember. And I'm a tall dude, but it was still a long way down. It may have been deeper than that. But I remember going down there trying to search Search, come back up, get some, some air, go back down, and just scouring the bottom of the lake trying to find this priceless little gift that was a ring. I remember being down there for about maybe two minutes, and all of a sudden, it's like I panicked, and it's like I, I just then, I saw it, and I was starting to feel like I need a breath. And I, but I made a decision, I dove for that ring, I grabbed it, and in desperation, I longed to get out of the water and I just propelled myself and came shooting out, gasping for air, gasping for breath. And, and in a sense, I was longing for breath because I had run out of breath and I needed it. So when I came out of the water, I was gasping, coughing. That's what it means to long for God. You're gasping for breath. 
Alliston Begg said, Jesus was Paul's very breath, the soul of his soul, the heart of his heart, and the life of his life. Let me ask you, would that describe you at all? Would that describe you at all? This longing leads to pursuing. Pascal said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire, or let me just parenthetically say longing, which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. This is the heavenly agenda. This is what God is calling us to, is to go ahead and change our personal agendas, agendas that other people have for us, and surrender our life to Jesus Christ and live under his governance, live under his guidance, and live for his glory. Longing for Christ. That's what Paul was doing here in these passages here. That's what Paul is doing. But secondly, there's not only a heavenly agenda where we're made for the glory of God and a longing for him, but we're made so that we might live for Christ and the Lord. See, Jesus to Paul is the one pearl of great price that Jesus spoke of in Matthew's gospel. This is the pearl of great price. This is why he's willing to part with all that he has because Christ had completely won his heart. I strongly suspect that if we were to ask the Apostle Paul, what was his verse for life? What is his philosophy? He would give us the passage of scripture here in Philippians 1.21 that says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, this is one of the passages in this incredible book and this letter here that are like coffee mug verses or t-shirt verses. And this is one of them right here. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. There's a whole host of these that are in this incredible four little chapters of this letter here. And, and I just think it's, it's really amazing that this verse this verse might fit maybe not on Paul's coffee cup, and it may not be on Paul's t-shirt, but it was burned within his heart and the fabric of his being. For, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I wanna ask you, you know, I don't know about you, but years ago we used to challenge, as a pastor, I used to challenge a lot of our people and even now working with a lot of other ministers is what's your life verse? What is your life verse? Let me ask you, what is your life verse? What verse that you get from scripture here would define your life and would, would say, this is, my, this is my governance. This is my mantra. This is my North Star, this is my guiding light. In everything that I do, this verse would be the one that would be my values, would navigate my life and dictate the kind of life that I would live. Well, Paul's verse here is for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Regardless of the future, Paul says, 
that in life or death, it's all about Christ. It's all about Jesus. And for me to live is Christ. It means to live is Jesus Christ. Now, what does it mean to say, Christ is my life, or Christ who is my life, or for me to live is Christ? What does that mean? Well, I think there's three things that go with this that are even found here. Number one is, it means that that Jesus Christ is the source of the Apostle Paul's life. In Colossians chapter three and verse four, Paul says, when Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. That has that picture again of a heavenly agenda. In Ephesians chapter two, four and five, Paul writes, but God being rich in mercy, because of his great love for us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together in, with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. This same voice that brought Lazarus out of the tomb is the same voice and person that has raised us in the Apostle Paul if you receive Christ to newness of life. So God not only gives us Christ who is the source of our life, but friend, God also gives us Christ who sustains us in our life. We need him. He is the bread of life. He is the sustenance of our life. This is the bread that comes from heaven that was sent down below. If you remember from the Old Testament, uh, the, the Israelites were in, in the wilderness and they were delivered from the bondage in, Eden, in, in Egypt. And God went ahead to help feed them almost a million people. He sent this little bread called manna manna, and he gave that to them every single day. And we know from scripture that that piece of bread that was given every day for the children of Israel, for the million plus people for dozens of years, that that was a symbol and a sign of the bread of life who is Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, is he your source? Is he your sustenance? But he's also, as Paul we find here, is the solace of our life. For all true joys come from him. Even in times of anguish, even in times of hardship, even in times of trial and trouble, in him is our solace, our comfort, and the one that cares for us. So what about you? If we were to ask the question, complete this sentence, for me to live is, how would you fill that in? How would you fill that in in your life right now? Just be honest. You don't have to be spiritual. You can just go ahead and be honest where your heart is right now, where your life is right now, because this is all about life and how you're living. How would you complete that sentence? For me to live is. Is it, for me to live is success? For me to live is more likes on Instagram? For me to live is a good startup in a new business. For me to live is a healthy relationship. For me to live is to get out of a relationship. What kind of, what kind of relationship do you need to get in or get out of that would define your life? But let me invite you today, right now, 
that God is inviting you into the greatest relationship of all, and that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. He desires for you to start with Him and have that vertical relationship set in place so that you can live out all the other horizontal relationships that you have in this world. So what is it for you to live? What does that mean for you right now? Is to live, to, to live is Netflix and to die is no entertainment? Is to live, to go ahead and to travel and die is to go nowhere and be in quarantine? Is to live is sports? Now that, now that one's starting to, that touches me just a little bit. I'm ready for sports to start. But to die is eternal retirement? I don't know what it means for you, but let me invite you that for Paul, for myself, for me to live is Christ. Christ is that source of life, sustenance of life. He's the one that's the solace of life because life is living for him. He is more than life. Christ is everything to me. Is he everything to you? Is he everything to you? And finally, if we're, if we're gonna experience heaven's agenda, if we're gonna understand what heaven is all about and the agenda that God has for us in our lives, there's not only this sense in which there's a longing for Christ, there's not only this sense of living to Christ, but there is laboring with Christ. For Paul says in these verses here, I am torn between two desires, to go be with Christ, which is better for me, or for your sakes to continue to live so that I can continue to help with all of your growth and experience the joy of your faith. Let me ask you, from this passage, if Paul's in prison, what we find in the verses, just a few, few verses before, is Paul is, is tied to and in confines with a Roman guard. How much of laboring with Christ can Paul do in his current situation? Paul can't go to a synagogue. Paul can't go to church. Paul can't go serve the community. Paul is confined. He is quarantined. Yet Paul sees here that even in his state, he is able to labor with Christ. I love the way, I love the way he desires to serve and to labor with and labor for Christ. But do you realize you and I can't do anything for Christ? Christ has done everything for us. And our service and our labor of love to him flows out of our relationship with him. So let me ask you, how are you laboring with Christ? You know, we, I, I, I know your pastor uh, and I have a fond um, relationship with Henry Blackaby and experiencing God. And the first reality of experiencing God is that God is already at work and he calls us to join him in that work. Or can I, would you permit me to use the word labor? to labor with him, to come alongside with him. I don't have to do things for God to feel important. I have to do things for God so that my life suddenly has meaning and I go, God, look at me, look at what I've done for you or to others, look what I've done. No, I come alongside in the power of the Holy Spirit, walking with Christ, 
serving with him. He is my life, but it's easy at that point for me to labor with him because I'm joining in in what he's doing. What is God doing around you right now? What is God doing with that person that you live next door to? or the roommate that you have, or the person that you work with, or that person on Zoom call that just always seems to check out in the job that you have. How is God working in their life? God might be using you right now to go ahead and help them discover what the greatest treasure in life is and what life is all about. And life is about Jesus Christ. Life is about Christ. For Paul has surrendered his life to Christ. And he submitted his call of God to spread the gospel and do whatever it takes for the cause of Christ. I think right here, this verse here really upgrades our call, my call, your call, because it says here, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul, a few years after writing one, this was one of his last letters that he ever wrote, he was actually martyred for the faith of following Christ and taking the gospel to Rome. Are you willing to die for the gospel? I've asked myself that question. I've been, I've been given that question over the years and I would have to say, I am ready to. I'm ready to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ and go wherever God calls to do whatever God calls me to and not be embarrassed or be willing to go ahead and not give my life to him. You know why? Jesus said this, he who tries to keep his life will lose it. But he who goes ahead and gives his life and loses his life for my sake will find life. Now that's not a basis of saying I get to have eternal life if I die for Christ. No, you can have eternal life right now by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, eternal life begins then. But it's not so much we have to, but we want to. But our hearts are fastened and set on Him. And our lives desire so much to honor and glorify, glorify Him because we're willing to labor and do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. You see, Paul wasn't just committed to the mission. Paul was committed to the cause. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference and being committed to the mission and being committed to the cause of Christ. I trust maybe for some of you today, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is that first step to first come to Christ, find life in Him. But maybe some of you have, but life right now, living is just taking the life out of you. And Christ wants to be your life. And you need to take that next step by jumping in and joining the mission of the Great Commission to take the gospel to anyone, anywhere, starting with the people that are around you in your life and family and where you live and begin to share the good news and what Jesus Christ has done in your life. But for some of us, we do that, but we need to be committed to the cause. We need to be all in. We need to go ahead and almost like poker. You've ever played poker? You got those, those stack of chips and you have all the chips that, God, that you've been given 
And, and you have that hand and you look at that hand and you go, man, I can do this. And you go ahead when it's time to bet and you just take all your chips and you go, I'm all in. That's what this passage is here. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. That's the cards I'm holding. I got all aces. Nobody's gonna beat that. I got Jesus and Jesus alone. And right now, what I'm gonna do is, but for me to live as Christ and to die as gain, I'm gonna be willing to sacrifice it all for the sake of the gospel. I'm on mission, but I'm committed to the total cause of taking Christ to anyone, anywhere with my entire life. Now that's one thing of going ahead and saying, I'm kind of committed to where I'm ready to die. I don't know about you, uh, this may be a bad example for many of you, but years ago I was really impacted by the movie of Saving Pri Private Ryan. How many of you ever seen that movie? Yeah. Early on, they were called to the mission. They were called to war, they were called to battle, they were called to go ahead and be on mission. And Tom Hanks, who served as a commander, was leading that group, and everything was great on being the mission until one day they got shot at and a couple of people died and they realized what their mission was, was to go and rescue a brother. Because the other brothers had died. And that's based on a true story. And remember, I don't remember the scene, but they are all standing out in a meadow. And all of a sudden, they're just looking at each other and they're like, I don't know if I'm, I know what our mission is, but two or three of the guys were like, I don't know if I'm in on all this. I don't know if I want to give my life to save this one brother. And Hanks being committed, not just to the mission, but committed to the cause because he understood the commander in chief and what he was being called to led and the others joined in kind of mildly. But as they continued on their journey, they stepped up and they did. They gave their life. They gave their lives to save another. That's a cause, folks. That's a cause. They were willing to do that. You see, really, the Apostle Paul says here, there's only two kinds of Christians. There's only two kinds of people. And I wanna ask you as we close, are you a Philippians 121 person or are you a Philippians 221 person? Are you a Philippians 121 person? For me to live is Christ and die is gain? Or Philippians 221? Just turn the page over. Paul said, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Where are you? Where are you, gang? Where are you, wherever you're watching this from or listening to this, are you a Philippians 121 dude or are you a Philippians 221 gal? Which one are you? Are you all in? Have you pushed the chips in or are you seeking your own interests not those of Jesus Christ. You see, I am so grateful and so glad that my God sent his only begotten son and he was all in. He gave his total life, willingly, sacrificially, to save me from my sin, to take my place on the cross and to be my substitute. 
Because without him, my life is without meaning. That's how I first discovered the gospel. I was trying to live my life on my own and life was good. And then the, the guy that I wanted to be like was my dad and he was the oldest. I was the oldest of four boys. And my dad had a great job. He had a great family. At least I thought we were. And one day he decided to give up that job. He decided to give up that cabin. He decided to give up that car. He decided to give up that life and marriage and family and pursue something else. And as a 12-year-old boy, I go, if this is what life is about, What's the purpose and meaning in life? And I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up in faith. And I began to pursue what's the purpose and meaning in life. And my roommate in college, 18 years of age, shared with me the very first time the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to this earth to die in my place, to forgive me of my sin. And because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he was going to give me new life in Christ if I, if I repented and turned to him and trusted him with my life. He would make me new as a new creation in Christ. And I can't tell you what happened. It took me several years as I read the Bible for the very first time and I read the red letters and I read some of these passages, some of these uh, coffee cup scriptures that we have here. And I'm going, man, that's a different way to live. And I thought I was gonna give it up, but all of it, so I could, I had to give up the things of the world so I could follow Christ. But as time went on, the Holy Spirit convicted me and I realized this the things of this world, am I gonna live for these things that are one day gonna disappear and end? Or am I gonna give my life to something of eternal value, to a heavenly agenda, to Christ who is my life? And I want you to know, just a few days ago, on June 26, 1978, at 4.30 in the afternoon in my apartment, I just celebrated my 42nd birthday of Woo. being a follower of Christ. I gave my life to him. I surrendered my life, but he pursued me. He found me. He rescued me. He set me free. But he set my life on a heavenly agenda because Christ has become my life. Has it been easy? No. But he is a, he is a, a Christ who I seek to honor, to magnify and glorify with my life. And I trust today that you'll do that with your life. Because when you do, you still long after him, you wanna live for him, and you wanna labor with him in doing what really matters. So let me ask you today, are you a Philippians 121 or are you a Philippians 221 person? Let me invite you to Christ today. The life is there, he's there for you. Would you join me in prayer? And maybe you've never prayed this prayer, but let me just lead you in a quick prayer that really it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not some sort of sacred prayer or anything else. It's not a magical prayer, but it's got to come from your heart where you want to say, Lord Jesus, I have sinned against you and I've been living my life in the wrong direction. And I want to turn right now and trust in you because I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. You, you were my perfect substitute. I believe that you died, was buried, and you rose again to give me new life in Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, I want to live for you. Thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen.
If you said that prayer, did any of that, there's some stuff online for you to do, an invitation for you to respond to, and we would encourage you to do that today. My friend, heaven's agenda, if you prayed that prayer, you now have an agenda that's set on heaven, God's agenda, because Christ is your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, or if you'd like to join us on a Sunday, head on over to pinewoodboulder.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. And if you'd like to be notified every time we post new content, then subscribe. And remember, just keep coming back.